Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, they couldn't handle the magnificence of God. And what we're going to read here in Exodus chapter 19 is really wonderful. We're going to pick up in verse 16. And I just love that they were afraid of him. You know, one thing I think that we've lost in the church today is we've lost the fear of God. And I'm not just talking about the awe and the reverence of God. That's very important. That's huge. But we've also lost our fear of God. Now, as Christians, we don't need to fear God that he's going to do something to us because we know that the judgment was put on Christ once and for all. It's done. Right? That's what he said on the cross. To tell us, Dei, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full. And it is. But I also like to think that, you know, if God were to manifest himself in this room, involuntarily, we would all hit the bricks. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study of God's prophecy through Moses of a new prophet that will come. Pastor Rob takes us to the book of Exodus, chapter 19, that tells of the nation of Israel's experience at the foot of Mount Sinai. Although we know our God as a gentle God, we learn today that he is also a powerful God and is nothing that we are at all used to being in the presence of. We must always remember that we should not only reverence God, but also retain a fear of his power because it is like nothing we know. Let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Verse 14, But you deny the Holy One and the just, and you ask for a murderer to be granted to you. In other words, Barabbas. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead. Boy, (laughs) what can man do to God? (laughs) You kill him, he's going to raise him again. You know, what, what what futility, what madness. You killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised up from the dead of which we are witnesses. Notice that. Notice the boldness. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Verse 17, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. And here's the message. Repent. Therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, here it is, verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, notice, Peter is speaking about the passage we're looking at tonight. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Notice capital P. 
from you, from your brethren, him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And so Peter accurately takes that prophecy that we just read in Deuteronomy 18, verse 5, and he says, the one who this was, was Jesus, the Prince of Life, whom you killed. That is the prophet. He's more than just the Son of God. He is all those things. But he's also the prophet that was to come. Listen to him. Isn't that what God the Father said on the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter was running his mouth, which is what I would have done? I would, you know, I would answer when nobody asked me a question. And, and notice it says Peter answered. <laughs> nobody asked him a question. And so he's, he's running his mouth. And God breaks through. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. This is the prophet spoken of. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Let's go back to the beginning of this passage here in verse 15. So, the Lord your God, he'll raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses said, and he's speaking of Jesus. From your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear, according to all you desire to the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of assembly. And he's referring now back to a time in Israel's history, not too long, just maybe three months after they had come out of Egypt. Three months they had come out from Egypt through the Passover, remember? They had only been out in the desert about three months. And you remember, on the day of assembly, God got them all together. And let me just read it to you. Just write down the, the scripture references, and I'm just going to read it. Because the people, they were afraid of God. They were afraid of God. They were afraid to, to see God, to be in his presence. They'd rather have, because they were so scared out of their mind with fear, that they would rather have Moses speaking to them then God Almighty is speaking to them. And God says, you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm going to allow my servant Moses to come because you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to quote from a movie, but you know they couldn't handle the magnificence of God. And what we're going to read here in Exodus chapter 19 is really wonderful. We're going to pick up in verse 16. And I just love that they were afraid of him. You know, one thing I think that we've lost in the church today is we've lost the fear of God. And I'm not just talking about the awe and the reverence of God. That's very important. That's huge. But we've also lost our fear of God. Now, as Christians, we don't need to fear God that he's going to do something to us because we know that the judgment was put on Christ once and for all. It's done. Right? That's what he said on the cross. To tell us, day I, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full. And it is. But I also like to think that, you know, if God were to manifest himself in this room, involuntarily we would all hit the bricks. We would all fall flat on our face and beg for mercy because of his great and awesome power. Doesn't that, doesn't that give you goosebumps? It does me because that's who he is. He's great and wonderful and powerful, more than anything or anyone, and he stands at, every, everything stands at his attention involuntarily even. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. <laughs> and I just love that about God, that if he were to show up here, the Bible study would be over, for me anyway, for us. It would be a worship service. I'd be breathing, inhaling dust from this carpet. My face would be so close to it. And so would yours but we do it out of love and adoration. Because, see, we've never been in the presence of someone so great, so wonderful. I like to get carried away with those thoughts. Because when you think about a great king, 
when you think about the most powerful man in the world, maybe just as comparison, you know, most people when they stand before President Trump or whoever the president is, there's a great awe and respect. And they're like, you know, they're looking to get their phone. They want to get a you know, selfie with them. They're looking for something to write on, you know, permanent marker, right on my shirt, right on my jacket, my hat, right on my face. I don't care. Just I want to get a piece of this to go home and show my friends. And, oh, wow, he did that, you know, the president, you know. And I think about the one who made the president. The president is nothing in the sight of God. All the presidents combined of all the countries, all the great men of the world are nothing compared to him. They are just flesh. They're dust. Gone. Isn't that what's going to happen in Revelation 19, verse 11? That's what's going to happen. All the governments of the world, gone. There will be one standing in Jerusalem. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to that day. What a great king. What an, what an awesome God. Awesome in power and strength. Can anyone contend with him? Can anyone exalt against him? To your own peril, stand before this or kneel or fall prostrate before this holy God and pray for your next breath. How awesome and great he is. But they were afraid of God. So what does it say? Exodus chapter 19. Let me just read it to you, beginning in verse 16. It says, Then it came to pass on the third day. And this is the passage that happened when, when he says uh, there in, uh, when God says, in the, you know, according to all that you desired of the Lord your God in, in, the, in Horeb, in the day of assembly, this is what the day of assembly was. Right here, we're reading it right now. It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp, they trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like a smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Now, as we're reading this, picture it in your mind. Picture it in your mind. This is supernatural. This has never happened before. They are all standing at the foot of the mountain, and everyone is drawing flies because everyone's mouth is open. <laughs> Their mouths are hitting the ground, and they're going, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Almighty God, and the place is shaking. It's dark, and it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It just brings the dread and the fear of Almighty God before you. And that doesn't bother me so much now that I'm on the other side of my life now, that I'm in Christ. That doesn't bother me because I know he's not going to hurt me. He's not going to hurt you. But if you're an unbeliever, be very afraid. If you don't know Christ, you are in jeopardy every moment. Every night you go to bed, you could have an aneurysm. You could be instantly killed. You may not wake up in the morning. You may get in a car accident the next morning. You have no second chance. There's one chance, and it's right now. That's all you've got. Because you don't even know what's going to happen when you leave here. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I leave here. How important is it for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's the most important thing you'll ever do. But they stood at the foot of the mountain. Verse 18, Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. 
Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly, great, quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. And then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain, and the, whole, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up, and the Lord said to Moses, Now go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves. Get your act together, guys. You know, that's what he's saying. Get your act together because you're going to meet God. <laughs> you know, don't just put on your finest suit. You put on the very best. Cause, and you better have a clean heart. <laughs> consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. I love that. Consecrate yourselves, lest the Lord break through against them. Verse 23, But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But let no priests, but let not the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. And so Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. And we know in that passage he spoke to them the Ten Commandments, which we're not going to reiterate now. But notice in chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 18, again, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning. And when the people saw it, they trembled. They stood afar off. And then they said to Moses, and here is the verse that we were looking at just a moment ago in Verse 16 of Deuteronomy 18. Then they said to Moses, Moses, you speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. There was a holy fear of God upon these people, and it is a good thing to fear God. As a Christian, I fear him in reverence and awe because I no longer have to fear him as my great judge. But before I came to Christ, I had every reason to fear this great judge. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> fear God and love him. Love him. Give him your very best love. Give him your very best adoration. Let your worship be extravagant to him alone. Let him take over your heart, your being, everything about you. But notice in verse 20, And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. For God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. I would say, if I saw that sight that they were seeing, I tell you what, I'd be inhaling sand from the desert that they were standing in. My lungs would be filled with sand. They'd have to stick a shot back up to my nostrils and turn it on high. Get everything out. Because I'd be inhaling sand. <laughs> So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Isn't it funny to think? It's, isn't it interesting to think that it's thick darkness? You'd think that it would be some kind of magnificent light that's unapproachable. We know that he is. If he didn't veil himself. See, this is, he did it for our, his mercy. He came in a thick cloud. You read Psalm 18, I think it is, and it talks about him riding on this thick, dark cloud, and the, it's just very gloomy and ominous. And he does that for our benefit, because if he was to reveal himself to us, we would die. We would be incinerated instantly. That's why when, when uh, Moses wanted to see the, the, the front part of God, he says, Moses, you can't even see the front part of me. 
You can see the hinder parts of me as I pass by. Remember, as he went through the mountain, God covered that cleft in the rock as he went by, and Moses saw the glory afterwards. He couldn't see the front part of God, and God allowed him that grace. No one else. But God's unveiled glory would incinerate everything in its presence. So he comes and he veils himself in thick darkness for our benefit. The Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. That's why we will need new bodies. Do you realize? We will need new bodies like the body that Jesus was resurrected in that's flesh and bone. There's no blood in that body. The Spirit of God is the, is, is the Spirit is, is what has resurrected him. And it's, he's flesh and bone. Remember that's what he said to Thomas, to their disciples? That body can withstand eternity. It'll never get sick. It'll never grow old. It'll never have a nosebleed. It'll never have any stomach problems. There won't be any tumors growing in that stomach. There won't be any of that. And you'll be able to stand in front of a holy God and not die. I like that. We have to get retrofitted. We have to have something new so that we can stand in front of him. Now we're back in Deuteronomy 18, verse 17. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Notice, it's a he, not a her, not an it. It's very specific. There are books like The Message, which Eugene Peterson has done, that speaks of, uh, or or, or, I'm sorry, uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was The Message, but there was another movie that was out that everybody went crazy about, and I have no idea why. And it totally contradicted what the Bible was about. I think it was called The Shack. And they, and they, 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 they purported to make God look like a woman. Now, I have nothing against women. I married a woman. She's wonderful. She's better than I am. I'll be honest with you. But God is a man. And, and, and what he says, and his spirit is a man. Jesus is a man. He's referred to as a he, not a her, not an it, not a transgender something, not a question mark. He is Almighty God, and he is who he says he is. But notice the mission of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 61, remember, he said, I'll put my words in his mouth. He shall speak all that I command him. Well, if you look at Isaiah chapter 61, just write it down for now. But this is the mission, at least part of the mission, if not the mission of Jesus Christ. It says, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Notice, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's something that Jesus did. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Certainly he did that. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He certainly did that. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Underline that phrase. Well, Verse 2, because we're going to compare it with something that is spoken of in the Gospels where Jesus spoke in Capernaum, and it's going to kind of blow your mind to find out what happened there. But notice, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, we're still in Isaiah 61, and the day of vengeance of our God, and the day of vengeance of our God. Remember that phrase. And also to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, we're going to go to Luke's gospel, chapter 4. Again, write this down, verse 16. 
want you to, I'm going to read something to you, and notice where Jesus stops. He, he, he quotes this chapter in Isaiah 61, but notice where he stops. It says, So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found in the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We just read it. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. What's missing? <laughs> if you look back in Isaiah chapter 61, what's missing is the, the, the second half of chapter, or verse 2. And the day of vengeance of our God. And everything below that, he didn't mention. Why is that? Well, because he came, his ministry was different. He would, he would come back in the day of vengeance of our God, but it wasn't going to be then. That's the second half of his ministry. When we see him coming back in Revelation 19, the day of the Lord, when he comes back in his second coming, judgment is coming on the earth. The day of vengeance of Almighty God. And notice in Isaiah 61, you know, and then it goes on, and it says, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. I, 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 it just hit me today that this is possible, that the rest of this, the second half of verse 2 of Isaiah 61 and the rest of verse 3 could mean that God was speaking of those Jews in the millennial reign. Because it says, to comfort all who mourn, when they see the wounds in his hands, they're going to be mourning. Who put these wounds in your hands? You say, I got these in the house of my friends, right? It says that in Zechariah, I believe. And he, he's come to console those who mourn in Zion. That's a very specific place. To give them beauty for ashes. Think of all the Jews have been through. And now finally, the Antichrist, the, the, the beast and the false prophet are now cast into this, uh, this lake of fire. We looked at that last Sunday. The oil of joy for mourning he's going to give these people. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. All of it glorifies Christ. And I love that. But Jesus didn't say vengeance of our God yet because it wasn't going to happen during his lifetime on the earth at that time. It was, it's going to happen. It's yet future to us. We read about it, the beginning of it, at the very least. You know, it could start in the, the tribulation period, but it's going to come to summation. It's going to come to fruition. It's going to come to the end when he comes down in the second coming to the earth, to a rebuilt temple that he is going to build in Jerusalem. And you can read about it in Zechariah um, 12, 13, and 14, I think. But Jesus said in John chapter 5, speaking of this, prophet that we're looking at in verse 17. My words, I'll put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. All that I command him. Jesus in John chapter 5 beginning in verse 19, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but the passage I'm looking at is 16 through 23, but just for the sake of time we're going to pick up in verse 19. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, notice this, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. 
For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. There's a dependency there, isn't there? There's a willingness to submit, even though he's equal with God the Father and God the Spirit, God the Son purposely submits himself to God the Father. It's a willing submission. And he doesn't do anything unless God the Father says it or does it, and then he does it. But until then, he doesn't. He doesn't. In John chapter 8, you just write these down if you would. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 28, it says this. Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Literally, you'll know that I am. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.